Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast helping water leaders to discover solutions and drive change. I'm the host, Travis Loop. This episode is part of a series, Funding to Fight Lead. Replacing the nation's lead service lines in a timely manner is going to require funding beyond government dollars. The municipal bonds that utilities use for a variety of water infrastructure projects are an untapped resource for lead service line replacement. This episode about the use of municipal bonds is particularly of interest to utility leadership, financial staff, and municipal managers. The conversation features Mark Yui, Portfolio Manager for Municipal Impact at Alliance Bernstein, Stephen Spitz, leader of the Water and Wastewater Financing Team at Oric, and Clifford Gerber, tax lawyer at Norton Rose Fulbright. The guests discuss how impact investors are interested in water infrastructure, such as lead service line replacement, the ability for municipalities to finance the work on private property because of the public benefit, and the tax implications, including exemption. Before starting, I want to mention that Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet that is made possible by supporters. I'm going to take the next couple of minutes to discuss the sponsors of this series, Blue Conduit, 120Water, and LeadCopperRule.com, and then start the conversation. The Lead and Copper Rule doesn't just create compliance challenges for water utilities, it also creates several public information flashpoints that put the reputations of utilities at risk. LeadCopperRule.com can help your utility stay ahead of the Lead and Copper Rule for years to come. Their proven communication plans and products are ready in an instant, and their expert staff can guide your response to any lead information emergency. Be ready to protect the public's trust in your water from day one. Visit leadcopperrule.com today to set up your free initial consultation. Blue Conduit is a water analytics company that has developed a cutting-edge, predictive machine learning approach to locate lead service lines, empowering local officials and their engineering partners with the information to efficiently remove those pipes. The company's solutions enable utilities to focus their resources on digging where the lead is accelerating the removal of this significant health concern and saving millions of dollars in avoided digs. Since 2016, the Blue Conduit team has worked with more than 100 municipalities and inventoried over 1.8 million service lines, which serve more than 4 million people. Visit blueconduit.com. 120 Water is the only end-to-end solution for implementing the lead and copper rule revisions. They currently work with over 600 water systems, ranging from rural water communities that serve less than 3,000 people to major cities like Denver, Pittsburgh, and Newark. They also manage city and statewide drinking water programs, such as lead in schools and daycares. 120 Water is a digital water platform with cloud-based software, products such as water testing kits, lead validation kits, and remediation kits, and services that water systems and state agencies use to execute water quality programs. Learn more at 120water.com. You're in the water loop. 
Well, Mark, thanks for coming on. Uh, looking forward to talking to you here about municipal bonds and, and investors. Could you start out by just explaining a little bit uh, when, when we in the water space hear about the investor community uh, and, and municipal bonds, what is that space um, and, and how does it connect to the water sector? So I think an important place to start, Travis, is just understanding what's the primary benefit of municipal bonds. And the primary benefit is that the interest that these bonds pay are generally exempt from federal income taxes. And they're also generally exempt from state income taxes as well, if that issuer is from the investor's home state. So in the world of municipal bonds, the investor community is primarily made up of individuals and entities that pay taxes. So roughly 40% of this $4 trillion municipal bond market is held by individual investors directly holding bonds. Now, coming in second are mutual funds that hold around 22% of the market. And also, a small but growing sector of the investor community is the impact investing space. Hmm. And this is actually the space where I operate in over here at Alliance Bernstein. Could you explain that, what that means, impact investor? Uh, what, 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 how do you describe that person? What are, they, what are they trying to achieve? Yeah. So as an impact investor, you know, what we aim to do here is to make measurable investments that have an explicit intention to improve the quality of life for marginalized and excluded communities across the country. And as this pertains to municipal bonds, we always feel that this is a natural fit for impact investing as municipal bonds mainly operate off of what we call a use of proceeds model. So what this means is that if you're a municipal entity, you need to lay out exactly where and how those borrowed dollars are going to be invested and deployed. So this means, are you going to be you know, using those dollars to build out your town's new sports arena? Or are the dollars going to fix your water system's crumbling infrastructure? Or are you planning on using the bond proceeds to replace all the lead lines in your service area? Mm. And these are all the things that need to be communicated to an investor community before a deal closes. So tying that back to impact investing, you know, we like we need to focus the dollars on the communities that need it the most. Mm. And for us as investors, you know, the municipal bond space really allows us to drill in and to be able to make investments in these communities that just have been uh, decimated by decades of underinvestment. Really curious about the interest level in municipal bonds that are going to water infrastructure. Uh, you know, there's there's a massive need in the country to upgrade, expand our water infrastructure. Federal government has just put put a historic payment down on water infrastructure. So, how is the investment community viewing? viewing that type of municipal bond. Yeah. So, you know, as we've seen over the last few years, you know, we're clearly dealing with um, just numerous water issues across this country, right? You know, just over the last last couple of months, even though this has been an issue that's been just going on for years, but, you know, issues around the historic drought conditions out west and just, you know, all the numerous other parts of the country where water conditions are just drying up, we're seeing these issues just come up more and more. And also when we take a look at places like the Colorado River Basin, you know, we see that it's just drying up. Um, and also at one point last October, the Mississippi River um, was at one of the lowest water levels in the last 35 years. And even if we take a step back and think about just the surrounding, um, you know, economy that, you know, the Colorado River or even the Mississippi River um, helps to support, you know, having these water issues, um, really lead to uh, having a massive impact on just the economic vibrancy of those areas that they serve, right? So in the issue with the Mississippi River, 
um, the water levels had dropped so far down that there was a massive impact on transporting crops and other cargo. You know, and additionally, as we see more and more, there just is a huge need in this country to repair or replace all the crumbling infrastructure that was built decades ago and really just have far exceeded, you know, their useful life. So for us as investors, you know, we see and for us, we actually have a huge interest in water infrastructure. This means that when we're talking to a water utility company, we're interested in factors such as, you know, how they're managing their water supply. Are they pursuing low cost strategies such as water conservation? Or are they solely focused on finding and building the infrastructure needed for new sources of water to come in? Right. A lot of the times people tend to think of, you know, solving the water crisis by finding that one silver bullet that can solve every problem with one specific project. But really, the answer is an all the above approach um, that is really needed, you know, to help, um, you know, fix a lot of the water issues that we're seeing in this country. Now, some of the other things that we're also interested in is the specific steps and the projects that the issuer has planned to make um, and the communities that they really want to serve uh, to help them mitigate, adapt, and really be more resilient in the face of climate change. Mm. And the other questions that we also ask is, do the issuers have any plans for green stormwater infrastructure? Will they be incentivizing or making investments in bioswales, rain gardens, permeable pavement, or green roofs? So these are just some of the things that we're interested in when it comes to, um, you know, actual infrastructure needing to be built, right? And really, um, you know, as it pertains to today's topic of lead service line replacement, you know, we have a huge need in front of us in terms of addressing the public health hazard that is needed by replacing the millions of toxic lead pipes that make up our water infrastructure. So, you know, as we know, more than 44 million people are served uh, by water systems that recently had health-based Safe Drinking Water Act violations. And more specifically, these water systems were 40% more likely to serve people of color. So what's been mentioned on your podcast and countless other places is the impact that this or the lead has on communities as really, you know, no amount of lead in the bloodstream is safe. Mm. So um, my wife, she works with children with special needs on a day in and day out basis. And really she has encountered this, you know, encountered, you know, just children with lead poisoning and really just the adverse effect that can have such as, um, you know, a lower cognitive and academic, academic performance by that student, you know, health complications. And really, if we just keep going down, uh, down this rabbit hole, you know, a lowered economic activity that really comes from communities that are impacted by, um, you know, lead poisoning. So if we're able to eradicate these pipes, Travis, and this can really lead to unquantifiable dollars of benefits to countless families and communities, as then you know, they will have a better prognosis on life. So yes, our interest level in lead service line replacement is incredibly high. Mm. Uh, you know, when it comes to paying for lead service line replacement, again, I mentioned that that funding that Congress has put out there, there's 15 billion from the federal government. There's some other sources, but getting all of the lead pipes out of the ground is going to require some other financing Municipal bonds is something that hasn't been, I, I think, really tapped into uh, to do this work. If a municipality, a utility, wants to pursue a bond for this purpose, um, how, what else should they do on, on the front end to position themselves you know, favorably to, to get that? Yeah. So, you know, look, as municipalities look to the muni bond market to address you know, the various infrastructure needs that we've been talking about here, you know, 
one of the things that I encourage them to do is to lead with the improvements that they're looking to make and really to help investors understand how their projects are impacting the trajectory of their communities. So as we've been talking about, the current estimates for getting every lead line replaced in this country, you know, has us not accomplishing, you know, this massive undertaking in our lifetime or probably our children's lifetime, sure. right? And as a reminder, you know, current estimates number in the millions in terms of the amount of pipes that need to be replaced. You know, however, you know, getting the funding to the water utilities and municipalities looking to do work is pivotal as it can dramatically speed up the rate of replacement. But, you know, from the success stories that we've seen throughout the country, municipalities really need to go further than simply lining up financing, right? One of the things that we're looking for is, are these municipalities thinking through all the potential roadblocks that they might encounter from, you know, a political perspective, right? So this means, do they have support from the local, county, state, and federal officials to help them remove any potential roadblocks such as owner approval, procurement, or insurance that really might slow down the implementation of the projects? Also, some of the other questions that we're asking is, you know, have they thought through all the labor needs that might slow the project down? You know, by making the investments in replacing all the lead service lines in our communities, this can and has led to the creation of thousands of jobs that can directly impact and improve the local economy. Other questions that we ask are, have municipalities thought through how they're going to bring down the cost of replacement? Or are they able to limit, spread out, or better yet, cover the cost of replacing the portion on private property. This has gone a long way in helping places such as Newark and Denver not only increase the speed of lead service line replacement, but also really remove the cost of replacement as a hurdle in communities that can least afford it. Other questions that we ask are, where are, we, um, are, we, are the municipalities utilizing multiple avenues of loans or grants from SRFs, philanthropies, or even the bipartisan infrastructure law to help bring down the overall cost of the project? Um, other questions that we're asking are, how are the water utilities and municipalities thinking about community involvement, data, and transparency? And really, this is something that we that, that needs to be talked about more. Um, other people have done it, um, but I really want to echo their efforts in terms of this area because, you know, being able to clearly communicate the need for lead service line replacement is really key to helping their constituents understanding the public health issue at hand, right? Additionally, community engagement is going to be key to validating that lead levels have decreased once the replacement is completed. And without this buy-in, it really makes it tough to understand if this pro project is successful or not. Mm. Also, you know, from a data perspective and as an impact investor, you know, one of the things that we're always interested in is key performance indicators, you know, mainly because this helps us track the efficacy of our investments and in understanding you know, all the issues that are going on. So what this means is that I'm interested in knowing how well the replacement of lead service lines are going. We'd love to see progress, right? That's one of the things that we, we want to see. And a lot of the times, municipal bond issuers are hesitant to give out more data out of numerous fears of both, you know, legal and non-legal that they might have. You know, they're always, they might be afraid about just, um, you know, just the criticism that they might receive if a project isn't moving, you know, as fast as possible. But, you know, as an investor, I understand that the project implementation is not always going to move in a straight line, and we are sympathetic to that. But transparency is key, right? Because it's equally important for us to understand how well our investments are doing from a fiduciary perspective so that I can go off and I can communicate uh, the success of these projects to our client base. 
Um, and, you know, lastly, you know, I would say that municipalities can also position themselves favorably by communicating if equity and environmental, environmental justice are factors. You know, as an impact investor, as I mentioned, this is incredibly important to me. Right. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, historically marginalized communities are disproportionately affected by lead and do not have access to clean drinking water. You know, are the municipalities and water utility companies focusing their efforts on these communities? You know, a goal of equity needs to be central in the planning and implementation of these projects. So, Travis, from my seat, you know, the municipal bond market can play a huge role in helping communities address, you know, the public health hazard that lead service lines have created. You know, and especially, you know, if municipalities and water utilities can find ways to stack different funding streams together, this can really make a huge difference. You know, and more specifically, you know, the small but growing impact of ESG investing space is always looking to help make these target investments in communities that really need the dollars the most. Mark, this is a wealth of information, but I think actually very actionable information for utility leaders that have listened to this. I, I, I really appreciate you pointing all those angles out, especially what they need to consider as they're putting these projects together and then going to seek uh, financing for it. So thank you so much. Yeah, Travis, thanks again for having me. Stephen, thank you for coming on here to talk about this issue. Very, uh, very grateful for the opportunity to get perspective of someone like yourself. You're a, you're a bond lawyer with Oric Harrington and Sutcliffe LLP based in San Francisco. And a big part of your legal practice is bond finance for municipal water utilities. So uh, the perfect person to give us some perspective here. Couple, couple questions that seem straightforward, but for the water sector, they might not be, and that's why we want this clarification from you. Uh, can a public entity, uh, like a water utility, like a municipality, pay for or finance improvements to private property? Making improvements to private property is obviously a big benefit to the private property owner. Mm. Um, and uh, for public agencies, it's... Uh, common for them to ask themselves the question, can we uh, use and apply sort of public funds to make improvements that, that benefit private property? Right now, all yep, states have some sort of gift of public funds prohibitions that forbid giving public funds or using public funds uh, for a private benefit. In most states, however, uh, there is no violation of the gift of public funds rule if an expenditure serves a substantial public purpose. So even if there is a private benefit, what courts usually refer to as an incidental private benefit, um, as long as there's a strong public purpose for the expenditure of the public funds, uh, that is not prohibited by uh, the gift of public funds pro uh, rules. Mm. Here, uh, Lead service lines, lead pipes, create a major public health problem. Um, and there's a project create a major public health risk, whether they're located on private property or on public property. As a, as a bond lawyer, as you're looking at these bonds, what are the kind of the key provisions, I guess, that you're, you're looking for? Sure. Uh, most... Uh, must, well, again, water utilities 
generally issue uh, revenue bonds. And most, um, for most water utilities, um, this is not their first rodeo. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been issuing bonds uh, for a variety of capital improvements uh, for a long time. Uh, and they have, uh, they have documents uh, pursuant to those which those bonds were issued, and they make uh, promises to bondholders about uh, what sort of types of things that they could issue more bonds for. Uh, so, so bond indentures generally have some sort of additional bonds test. Uh, and uh, the key uh, for that is that on bond, water bond indentures also define uh, the term of water system. What is this system from which the revenues will be used to pay the bonds? Um, and the, the water system um, definition is usually limited to assets owned or controlled by the public agency for purposes of providing water, um, and that would include uh, service lines owned and controlled by the public agency. Mm-hmm. So in terms of additional bonds, bond documents are usually fall into one of two categories. Either they allow additional bonds to be issued to finance um, improvements to the water system. Again, that's improvements to the assets owned and controlled by the public agency. Or uh, they allow additional bonds to be issued to finance improvements that benefit the water system or further the purposes of the water system. Uh, if the additional bonds may be issued to finance improvements that benefit the water the system or further its purposes, uh, just like we were talking about uh, gifts to public funds, it should be possible to conclude that the replacement of lead service lines um, furthers the purpose of the water system to providing safe drinking water, uh, even if those lines are on, on private property. Yeah, and it makes so sense. It, like it, Analysis is fairly straightforward if, it's, uh, if that's how it's cast. Uh, if additional bonds may only be issued to finance improvements to um, the water system, it's a little more complicated um, because that may require a conclusion that either through contract uh, or some sort of easement or otherwise that the water system has control uh, over those private property improvements. Mm, I see. I, I think uh, one of the things that's come up in this podcast series is a uh, a doubt or even a belief <laughs> in the water utility sector that that bonds like this can't be used for lead service line replacement on private property. Um, I guess, where do you think that that misconception came from? The idea is that, um, you know, we all tend to sort of think in, in paradigms and sort of the classic way that things were presented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, traditionally, when you think about assets and things that benefit a water system and the things that make a water system work, you think about water purification plants and dams and reservoirs and, you know, giant um, water pipes and things like that. Uh, Your traditional sort of municipally owned and operated infrastructure. Um, But 
in in recent years, there has been a, a, a more of a tendency to sort of think about uh, sort of purposes and benefits more broadly. Uh, that uh, that saving water, for example, uh, through green uh, infrastructure, uh, can be as much a, a way of a benefit um, in furthering the public purpose as mm. um, building new, pouring more concrete and build, building new facilities. So, um, the uh, in 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 this case, I think it, people have come to realize the purposes uh, are not just to provide drinking water, to provide safe drinking water, um, and that one of the needs that needs to be addressed is to, you know, getting the lead out um, and to, uh, and municipal entities have been to think more broadly about uh, what sort of expenditures make sense in terms of furthering their purposes. Mm. I'm curious, you know, other than your what you've told folks today as a as a bond lawyer, um, where where should people at municipal water utilities where else can they go to get the confirmation that this type of approach is allowable? Ultimately, uh, the type of legal advice they'll want to get is from their is from their counsel from their mm. from their bond lawyers um, to ask their bond lawyers uh, whether this is something that can be done. Uh, but the, uh, as in as in any conversation with the lawyer, with a lawyer, um, they you know there is the conversations are better and uh, are appreciated more from you know from the lawyer's side if you sort of done your homework and, and sort of mm. look at what the questions to ask are. Um, and in that in that case, uh, I think that the idea would be to uh, to approach you know your lawyer saying, look, we've determined that this is. A public benefit, and we'd like to do it. So uh, let's take a look at these uh, key provisions. Uh, let's look at what our water system is defined as. Let's look at what sort of things we can issue bonds for, uh, bonds to benefit the system, and that furtherance our public purposes. Does that work? Um, and maybe uh, we have a situation where we have, you know, our our statutes or ordinances allow it to do this, and the problem is that our our bond documents are too restrictive. Hmm. And then maybe is there a way we can issue, say, different bonds, the bonds payable out of on a sort of subordinate basis, uh, or whether we can amend our do- bond documents uh, to allow us to sort of achieve our public purposes. Um, so it, it's always a good idea for clients to sort of. Um, and, and lawyers don't mind being pushed a little bit <laughs> on, uh, you know, on, on whether something can be done. And, you know, you know if, if it can't, please, you know, let's, let's, ex- let's explore how we, can, how we can deal with it. Sure. Great. Well, thank you so much for your valuable perspective. I appreciate it. Yep. My pleasure. Here now with Cliff Gerber of Norton Rose Fulbright. Uh, You work a lot on tax law around bonds, including those that municipal water utilities would be utilizing. Uh, Want to kind of get the tax side of this issue from you here, um, because there's implications and questions, especially from the sector. Um, So could you talk about the interest on bonds that finance lead service line replacement on private property? 
Can those mm -hmm. be feder federally tax exempt? I think the answer, Travis, is is maybe. Um, mm. One of the premises of federal tax law is that the proceeds are used with respect to governmentally owned and used property. That, that's a starting point. Once you mention the word private, we have to ask the question, what type of private? Is it private business use or something else, like private individual use? So depending on the type of bond, which may affect the answer, you know, as a general rule, um, you know, if the type of use is for individuals, for example, you know, single family homes, owner occupied residences, if that's what we're talking about, um, that will typically not give rise to a, what we call a private business use, which is what tax law is concerned with. Now, of course, if someone's carrying on a business in his or her own home, you know, that might change the answer a little bit, but just sort of stay with the simple case of, um, you know, home ownership is not going to give rise to a, a private business use. On the other hand, if the private property is um, commercial property, um, then I think you do run into um, the tax law limitations. And the tax law limitation generally with a, let's say if the overall purpose of the bond issue is water, that no more than 10% of the proceeds of the issue or the property financed by the issue can be used for a private business use. Mm. I was going to ask you that, what you meant by private business use. So that's kind of the criteria there. Yeah, private business use. And one of the things that, you know, to, to think about is, is, you know, yeah, what, what, what's the scope of that, that term, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, clearly if it were, you know, a factory or a retail business, uh, you know, an auto shop, a supermarket, you know, that'll be private business use. Um, what I think of that, something that might be a trap for the unwary is, you know, well, what about apartment buildings? Because again, you know, individuals live there, they're not engaged in their private business use, but you can't lose sight of the fact that there's a landlord there and there's a trade or business that's being conducted. It may be rental real estate, but there is, you know, a business rent is being collected. So the use of proceeds with respect to apartment building property would likely be considered a private business use, and then it would be subject to the the ten percent um, limitation. Mm. Very very interesting because I think across uh, a lot of the communities in America where there's a heavy amount of lead service lines, um, there's probably a good number of rental properties um, or even apartment buildings that are owned by a, a, a landlord or you know a, a business. So that's that's interesting. That's an important factor for utilities to consider. Yeah, and tying back to to some of the things that. Um, Steve, your prior guest mentioned is that you know it doesn't mean that um, a type of bond can't be issued. It may be that with respect to lead service um, you know, line replacement uh, on commercial property, that's done with taxable bonds, and the replacement that's done for single-family residences is done with you know tax-exempt bonds to keep it simple and put into those two boxes. But if you're within the 10% limit, then you might be able to fold in some commercial property into a larger issue that uh, mm. contains the um, 
single-family owner-occupied residences. I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this this ten percent private business use limit is that hard and fast? Or is there any flexibility there? Um, not in the number itself, but what water agencies and municipalities with water departments might think about is folding um, replacement of lead service lines into larger water bond issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a general improvement, capital improvement program for their water system, and they want to include some um, lead um, line replacement. You could say, well, if that's all part of um, a water purpose, you know, you could do 10%, but now 10% is going to be based on a much larger denominator. And that much larger denominator will give you some more headroom for doing, for including commercial within that 10% limit. It's now a larger limit. But one thing you got to be careful of is, and you know, this may vary municipality to municipality. You know, if it's strictly water, 10% would apply. But if, for example, you've got a general purpose issuer and they're doing, you know, uh, improvements to parks and administrative building and other governmental improvements, things that are clearly governmental, but now they want to fold in lead service replacement line um, improvement, that 10% limit actually drops to 5%. 5% is the limit on what we call unrelated uses. And you'd say, well, if it's not a water bond and it's really being done for more general improvements, you only now have 5%. But um, that 5%, of course, may be on a much larger denominator. So I think folks have to just do the math and figure out which limitation applies. And that's where consultation with one's bond council is extremely important. Mm. Yeah, great perspective. Well, I think we've been mostly uh, talking about federal uh, tax here. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the states have their, their tax laws and so forth. What, what about state tax exemption, um, which, you know, is pr- particularly relevant in some of the higher tax states? What, how does that sort out? Yes, it is. And, and being here in, in, in California, it's a bit <laughs> particularly important issue since we, um, I think, I think New York as well has some of the highest um, top marginal tax rates in, in the country. Um, what that does is that, you know, that, that um, high tax rate makes the um, increases the value of municipal bonds. And uh, what I can tell you here, at least in California, I can't speak for any other state, is uh, that the California tax exemption is not dependent on any of the rules that I just talked about with respect <laughs> to federal exemption, the 10% test, the 5% test, and all the permutations thereon. If the bond is issued by a municipal entity, you know, the city of X, the county of X, the, you know, XYZ water agency, which is a municipal entity, um, you will have the California tax exemption, and and that may be helpful. So I think what folks uh, ultimately have to do is, is, you know, consult with their lawyers, consult with their financial advisors and just think through what may be the best mix of taxable versus tax exempt, taking into account both the federal tax exemption and their particular state tax exemption. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you, you took my concluding thoughts out of my head there. I was going to say, so talk to your counsel is kind of the bottom line. Lots of good information, lots of good avenues to explore, but pull in the professionals when you're when you're going down this road. So, uh, yeah. Well, Cliff, thank you very much for that information. Very helpful. My pleasure, Travis. Thank you for listening to this episode, and thanks to the sponsors, Blue Conduit, 120 Water, and LeadCopperRule.com. For all of our content, please visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.